Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast, a collection of conversations with cool people who do cool things. Brought to you by Papercraft Miracles. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring stories of persistence, passion, and purpose. With your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore on the Reach the Stars podcast. And I wanted to thank you all for hanging in there with us over the last... Uh, several weeks while we put out some episode recaps of the top five questions um, that we ask our guests at the end of each episode. Uh, I was really busy. I'm going to be really honest. I was really busy at work. Uh, My company got a big, huge, huge, crazy order, and I had no time for anything except filling that order for uh, over a month. And so I didn't have time to record any new interviews with anybody. So um, I'm really grateful that all of you kind of hung in there with us and enjoyed the recaps over the last couple of weeks. And this week we are back with brand new uh, interviews with new new guests. And we have lots of really fun interviews on the horizon for you guys to check out. So thank you so much for being there with us and hanging in there. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode and next week's episode and all the episodes after that. All right, y'all enjoy the show. Welcome to the Reach to Stars podcast. I am your host, John Willoughby-Lore. And with me today, I have a really, really special person. Her name is Anne Bernard, and she is the master of first times, a serial entrepreneur and a current CEO of 365 Firsts, Inc. She's the creator of the hashtag 365 First Challenge and the First Time Story Map Project. She has written a bunch of books. She is super awesome. She was a Marine for a really long time, uh, has traveled the world and does all sorts of other amazing things. I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about her story. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me on. Awesome. So will you tell everyone a little bit more about what it means to be the master of first times, which is the coolest title on earth. What? What? Yeah. And I came up with it. It is self-appointed. So it's from, I have been on a journey of first time and new experiences for almost over nine years. I'm getting close to a decade. I'm start rounding up. And and that experience of always and constantly seeking new experiences and going next level and first times and everything that I do has provided me with just an amazing appreciation for life that when I looked at reclaiming the title entrepreneur, so I've been around the block a couple of times as an entrepreneur, and then I took a a decade off. Uh, You know, it was one of those things like, what do I have to bring to the world? And it's that, that experience that I had, all the value that I gained from being on that journey of first time and new experiences. And I wanted to make it in a way that people can easily embrace trying new things, get comfortable with that, and then maximize their life, like get more value out of living from it. So that's I, that's the business I started with 365 First. I created the 365 First Challenge and I took on the title of Master of First Time. That is so fun. So I'm really curious, like, what is your favorite first time story to tell? So many. (laughs) 
there's there's so when I when I first started my journey I so I'm a big outdoors person big in the sports that kind of became a little bit of an adrenaline junkie so you know going canyoning for the first time paragliding in in a lock in Switzerland was just like the most amazing weekend and then on my 40th birthday I went skydiving you know jumped out of the plane for the first time so those are all like on the thrill seeker side of the house and they're amazing but what I then discovered and I think I treasure more is when I started exploring crafts when I started making things with my hands and entering into the world that I had self-limiting beliefs about. So again, I joined I, I joined the Marine Corps at 17, turned 18 in boot camp. So I went into a men's world. Uh, so that's why sports and you know outdoors activity and all of that stuff, which always appealed to me, I was very drawn to, and I went that way. And I hadn't realized that I had put self-limited beliefs on myself that, you know, crafts aren't my thing and I'm not good at that mm-hmm. and now that I have ventured into that world okay I'm not very good at it but it's so rewarding and so and it's so different that mm-hmm. I'm really appreciating that so it's you know that's why it's hard to say what's the best because anytime that you're exploring you're learning and you are having experiences it impacts you different ways mm-hmm. I love that. It's so fun. Um, I'm curious what, like how, how was your experience joining the Marine Corps as a teenage woman? And like, what? I know it's a big question, but like, what was that experience like? And like, how is it shaped the way you interact with the world now? I, I was so hooked. I, I, I became hooked on the Marine Corps at, at 16 and it like my room, you know, okay. There were some Bon Jovi. Okay. okay I, I'm a child of the seventies. I was born in 77. So I grew up in the eighties. So my room had like a pillow from Bon Jovi and like the new kids on the block and then the Marine Corps flag and then all Marine Corps stuff. So it's a, it was a very weird room to walk into. Um, it just attracted to me the so my high school sweetheart joined the Marine Corps and he was writing to me all the cool stuff that he was learning and that he was doing. And while I was good in school, so I was top 10 in my class, I was class president. I had the perfect resume to go to college. It just wasn't fun and exciting. And I wanted more. And the Marine Corps just sounded really awesome. And then my brother, one of my brothers was looking at joining the Marine Corps. So the recruiter came to the house all the time. And there I am sitting at the kitchen table and just hanging on to every word they had to say. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is for me. So I started hitting the gym, lifting weights. Again, this is in 1995, 93, 94. So I'm like the only girl in the gym. So I started getting very used to being the only female, the only girl in certain environments. And I just knew that's what I wanted to do. Like it never crossed my mind that it would be like a male dominated environment and that it would be the challenge that it turned out to be. But then I was also very prepared for that challenge because I was always leading leading from the front and I was always ready to do what needed to be done. That's kind of like in my personality. So Mm -hmm. it definitely fit the Marine Corps, but 
but it was still very, it was still very, very challenging. Cause it was a different time back then than, than, than it is now. And you had to fight for, you know, you had to fight for your place to be accepted. And, um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had it any other way. That's awesome. I hope that you, you doing your thing and just, uh, making your place there made it easier for other women to follow after you. Oh yeah. I was very determined to make sure that, you know, our place like women's place in, in the military and so many great, I mean, you know, since then with the wars and so many, you know, I was already too high up in rank to have the impact that some of those the young ladies had in the wars and proving what women could you know truly do being capable of mm-hmm. and you know since then the opening of all the different military occupations being open to all women and women stepping up into those roles and, and shining and it's yeah it's it's we've progressed in in a short period of time mm-hmm. when you know it became open of, hey, we, we can do this. Mm-hmm. So interesting. My brother, I had two brothers who were in the military. And so they were always um, telling me what it was like there. And they were, they were both always just like, man, it would be so hard to like be a woman in this environment. Like they're like, man, the, the female soldiers we work with, they're so hardcore because <laughs> like, they have to be in order to kind of prove that they deserve to be there, quote unquote, whatever. So, yeah. But it's a great movement that's happening now. Like in in my time, it's kind of like you couldn't, you almost had to, like I I spent years, I'm talking about 10 plus years where the the male Marines never saw me outside of uniform because I didn't want them to see me as a woman. Mm -hmm. So you step into a role where not that I'm denying that I'm a, I'm a woman, but I'm competing and it's, it's, you know, it's the you know, belonging. You can't be different to belong. Now things are changing to where women in the military can embrace the fact that they're women and that, you know, they want to bear children. And, you know, that certain, it has to be accommodated <laughs> to support them having the ability to do that as women mm-hmm. versus, you know, it took a really long time and there's still a long way to go for those changes to, to continue to happen so that women can actually serve in the military as women and and being able to embrace their feminine side in the process. Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully we'll get there in our lifetime. That it'll, <laughs> that it'll just be a th- normal. It won't even be a thing. It'll just be, you know, hopefully, you know, at least my, my kids will hopefully grow up in a world where it's not a thing. It's just how it is that. Yeah. We, we appreciate, yeah, we appreciate the value of, everyone, you know, gender, race, whatever beliefs, you know, that we see the the value and the importance of having them on the team because the team is better for it. Awesome. So as far as starting your company, when, what year did you start it? And what was the kind of impetus for that? Like, what was your, what was your first time deciding to do first time? <laughs> uh, so I started the 365 First Challenge. It started with the 365 First Challenge in April of 2019. So coming up on the two year anniversary. 
<laughs> like 9, 10, 11. Wait, three year. Wow. Um, okay. Time flies. We can all like 2020 doesn't count. Right. So. <laughs> and it was, so like I mentioned, uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So when I left active duty the first time around, I started my first business, which did not, did not go as planned and eventually led to a failure. And then I started a tech startup and I did that for a couple of years, went completely broke, lost everything doing that, uh, learned a lot, but failed again. And I got to the point where the failures stacked up and really got to me and I, I got to a very dark place. And at that point I broke down and my, I, I saw two way out. One way was to give my life to God and, you know, let him lead me to what I'm supposed to do because I kept messing it up. And the other one, I was actually very suicidal because I felt like I, I, you know, I had done great things in the, in the Marine Corps and I had fought so many battles and, you know, I had, I had accomplished a lot. And now here I am as an entrepreneur and I'm trying all these things. I'm giving all I have. I'm, you know, I have no fear. I'm not holding myself back and I keep failing, failing, failing and failing. And so I ate the humble pie, gave my life to God. And I ended up for 10 years, had nothing to do with being an entrepreneur. But I got it 10 years later. I in those 10 years, I had just incredible, amazing time. Like God took me just so many amazing places and a lot of growth and self-development. And again, changed my relationship with life. But I got to the point where I was, you know, getting out of the Marine Corps again. (laughs) And I, you know, what was I to do? Mm -hmm. And God put it back in my heart. Like, it's time to reclaim the title entrepreneur. Like, you're you're ready to get back into this. And like I mentioned at the beginning, that's when you ask yourself, okay, what's my contribution to the world? What has life taught me? Uh, What do I want to teach other people? What do I want to bring into their lives? And the journey of first time in your experiences was clearly it. Because I've always, all of my business have always been ultimately about self-develop, self-development. So, and this is the ultimate process. So action-based self-development through first time in your experiences, because it's a lot of fun. And that's the, that's the other thing. It's very important for me to have fun in life. I think it's important for everyone to discover how to have fun in life. So I sat down and I'm like, okay, you know, how would this work? What would, what would it look like? And initially I designed the website and I came up with a guide on how to start your journey. But then when I started asking people like, hey, what's the first time in your experience that you want to have? Everyone defaulted to bucket list. And they're like, what do you mean? And they would have like some sort of bucket list item. I'm like, no, 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 no. Today or this week, what's something that you can do that you've never done before? And I was like, <laughs> like what? You know, they didn't think that way. They didn't see the opportunities in life that every day or at least once a week, you have an opportunity to explore something that you've never done. So I knew that I needed to create a nap that would make it super easy to make your lists and follow up. And so um, eventually got to making the app, but long story short, that's kind of how things got started. So the hashtag three, six, five first challenge 
is challenging people to do something they've never done before every single day for a year? No. So it was the, the, the name. So I wanted a number that was familiar, that was big enough for people to realize like there's a lot of opportunities when it comes to first time and new experiences and then not too big that it was intimidating. So I have never done a first time. I've never done a year of first time every day. I, I, I know people who have, I have interviewed people who have, and I think it's incredible but that's, that's quite the other taking. <laughs> so for me, it's more about adopting a mindset and a lifestyle. So the 365 first challenge in the hashtag is about bringing a community together of people that believe that continuously. So again, once a week, once a month on a regular basis, that adding first time and new experiences is a great way to continue to develop who you are and to grow in your appreciation for what life has to offer. Cool. So it's more about intentionally pushing your comfort zone to try something new. Um, as opposed to continuously going back and revisiting the first time you did particular things. Correct. Well, in first time storytelling, we do that. We revisit your first times, but uh, yes, the three slide first challenge itself. And the reason why I always say first time in your experiences. So a new experience, always the first time, but a first time doesn't have to be a new experience. And it's about it. You know, Again, it's about self-development. So it's about going to the next level. So for example, I had a first this week. I had I was interviewed for the first time over Instagram. So I've done Instagram live, but I had never done a live interview. So I've never interviewed someone on Instagram. I had never been interviewed. So my first was I got interviewed by someone. So I sell it, you know, it makes you conscious of that you're you're alive that you are being exposed to different things. So I celebrate first times and you can expand that to, you know, let's say you've never gone hiking. Well, you're going to have a first, if you go buy your first pair of hiking boots, that's going to be a first, right? Your first pair of hiking boots. Then you go on your first hike. Then you go, then you reach your first peak. And then, you know, there's different levels of peaks. So you might reach a, you know, 2000 feet peak, then a five, then a 10. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're all, and then you do your first overnight hike. So you're, you're, you're progression. You look at embracing things and you want to get to, you know, the next first that you've never had, or again, you're trying something completely new, never done it. And you're entering a new experience. I love this. I love this. I can't wait to like check out more of your, your, um, your videos and your podcast. Cause I want, I love, I love hearing people's stories. Um, so what are some of the most interesting, like first time stories that people have shared with you? Like what's, what's a couple of your favorites? Like, so I, I love the, I love the activity stories. So we've had, you know, different activities of, of snowboarding and other sports. Probably one of the most memorable one was, um, I, for, I forget her name, but I don't forget the story. She shared the story of the first time asking a girl out. And the reason why it's so memorable is because she was a great storyteller and she like, she really took me to that moment to the point where like my palms got sweaty and I've never, you know, I don't think I've ever asked a guy out 
it became more of a natural thing, but she's just like, she literally went to that, that girl's work place to ask her out and she you know there were people in line and she was nervous and she didn't know what she was going to say and she really put herself on the spot so she's telling the story I'm like oh my god how is this going to end up and uh so that was a very that was a very memorable story um and I always play the first time lightning round with my guests where I give them 10 different first times and I asked one guest uh his name's Mike and I the guest the question was, had he ever participated in um, a fashion show? And his answer was yes. When I was in a Mexican jail, I was like, what? <laughs> so, then, so then he shared that story. So when you ask those questions, it's just incredible because of you know the the replies. I one one uh, one guy I asked him if he had ever done calligraphy. And he said, yes. And he was, he's like, and it was actually a gang member in the school that taught me. So, you know, it, it breaks down your preconceived notion when you explore, you know, those type of questions and, 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 and hear those type of stories. That is so crazy. <laughs> I was like thinking about, you know, this guy just randomly saying, oh yeah, I did that when I was in a Mexican jail. Wait, what? Like, that must be so fun to just have these kind of random stories that you weren't expecting just show up. I think yeah, it's- and it's great because you see on people's faces as they're remembering because you're you're bringing back some memory, and it's just incredible because they're like, I hadn't thought about that for years, mm-hmm. and you know it brings back that that memory for them and all the feelings that are associated with it. That's awesome. Um, so what other things do you? do in your life to encourage creativity about what new experiences you could add to your list? Like for people who are, who are not used to doing new things, what would you suggest for them to, to be able to get a list? So there are two different types of first times in your experiences. So there are the ones that you've thought about before and you just never gotten around to it. So you want to put, obviously you want to put those on your list and you want to start checking them off. But then you also want to think about, like I said, with crafts, you want to think about all of those, the categories that you've never considered, you know, you've never even thought about because Mm -hmm. either, you know, it's way outside your comfort zone, you're afraid, or you have some sort of self-limiting belief that it's not for you. You've never tried it, but you decided that's not for me. Um, You know, so, you know, I would add items from those lists on your list and explore, you know, explore those because I think you're probably going to discover a great deal more about yourself when you explore those. And um, I can, I can promise you that even if it, since it's in your experience, don't have pressure on yourself that one, you need to perform properly, that you need to do it right, that you need to know how to do it. Embrace the fact that you're going to be completely new at it. You're probably completely going to suck, but enjoy the process of learning, of being that moment of, you know, 
just getting to do it because one, your brain is going to love you for it. It's going to release all these great neurotransmitters, all these great chemicals for you. And you're making memories. You're, you're, you're going to have this, you know, this experience, this moment, a story to tell. So go into it realizing "Eh, I'm probably going to suck, but it's going to be fun. Like I'm going to have fun with it. That's awesome. It reminds me of one of my guests, Nicole Overcamp and, uh, on the title of her episode is called embrace the suck. And it's just like, just go for it. And like, there's going to be things that suck and you just had to be okay with that. Yeah. And, and embrace the fact that you're going to fail sometimes and it's going to feel weird and awkward, but you should or are you going to make a fool of yourself or, you know, wh- whatever it might be, mm-hmm. but then realize that the more you do it, you actually, so the brain if once you start your journey and let's say that once a week you're doing something new, like I said, it's very good for neuroplasticity. So you're waking up your brain and then your brain's like, you know, what is she doing or what is he doing? We're, we're, we're getting bombarded by a lot of things that we've never done before. So it, the brain always wants to be more efficient. So it's going to be like, how can we be better at this? If I'm in the brain's like, well, if I'm better at learning, then I'll learn faster, I'll save energy, and I'll be better at doing these things. So the, you know, the brain starts making these connections, even though what you might be doing is unrelated, your your brain is making the connection to things that you've done before, to the fact that you're constantly learning that it needs to be a faster learner. And then you start having all of these, all of the benefits start coming through of having first time in your experiences. So you're improving your cognitive abilities. You become more creative because you're exposed to different things and your brain's making different leaps and connections between all the things that you've been exposed to. You become more open-minded because you're starting to realize there's more to life than I realize as you're doing all of these different things. You become more comfortable stepping out of your comfort zones and you become more spontaneous because you embrace doing new things. And when something new comes your way, bam, you say yes. You don't, you know, you don't think about it. You don't look for excuses. You know that, yeah, no matter what happens, I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to have fun with it and it's going to be beneficial for me. So let, let me say yes and let me do it. And then if you have the app and future version of the app or, or, or will be designed <laughs> to help you uh, be even more spontaneous and, you know, Johnny or Susie on the go to be, you know, able to have and capture those new experiences very quickly and share them with other people. One, one of them, my most memorable first was not a first for me. It was, I, I took my 89 year old neighbor out for sushi for her first time. And if you can share, if you can, if you can, you, if, if you can bring a first time and your experience to the life of someone that's lived 49 years old, that's really cool. So, and it's not because she hadn't, she had had a very incredible life. No one had ever asked her like, Hey, do you want to go for sushi? She just, and she was completely willing to do it. So it was just so incredible to be like, she's having this experience because, you know, I invited her, like I introduced her to it. It was just, it was just a great time. And we had lunch and I get to know her and she, she did, she had an amazing life. She was living still an amazing life. So yeah. That is so cool. Oh, um, what is the exact name of the app? If people were going to go download it, like where can they find it and what's it called? 
So it's on Apple and, and Google and it's hashtag three, six, five first with an S challenge. And I'm going to apologize ahead of time because if you create an account, it doesn't let you in right away. It has a bug. And even if you do the password recovery, it doesn't work. Um, and my developers can't find the error. So the entire thing has to be um, redone and Unfortunately, um, not a place where I can afford to do that right now. <laughs> so, but that doesn't stop you from 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 making the list, from getting in touch, uh, from checking out the website, the social media, and getting a bunch of ideas on you know the different things that you can do, and getting the support and encouragement in in doing those things. Cool. So you want people to go get the app or wait on getting the app until the bug gets fixed. I, I would try because if it works for you, it's going to work. If not, you'll know, you'll know right away. Uh, the other thing is uh, I'm currently planning and, and we're going to start hosting the first full day event uh, in April. Um, it's called the maximize your life summit series. So where, again, we are bringing a bunch of people in. So the first event is health first, we're bringing a bunch of people in to give you exposure to different health first that you can have and how they benefit you. Then we're going to do life skills. We're going to do sports and fitness. We're uh, going to do side hustles and we're going to do volunteering and we're going to do traveling. So, yeah, because I, I, I think some people need the nudge. They need the support. They need the information. Like, how do I they need the exposure, the nudge and, and, and the support to uh, know how to go about doing different first time in your experiences. So anything and everything I can do to help people, I'm, I'm, I'm there for you. <laughs> I love it. I love this. I can't wait to check it out some more. Um, so it's about to be five question time at the, toward the end of the show. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or you want to add before we head into the five question time? Uh, no, well, real quick, if, if you are a storyteller, uh, I, I would check out the first time story map project. So we, I, we release different prompts and you record a story on YouTube or Vimeo post it there and then add it to the map. So we have some prompts that are released right now, like the first team sport you played, the first prank you played on someone, your first time on the plane, your first flat tire. So it's those type of prompts. And it's a great way for you to realize how your past first times and your experiences have have impacted and shape who you are. And that can encourage you to continue to pursue new first time in your experiences because you'll understand the value that they have in your life. Oh man, I'm totally going to do that. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now it is five question time. Five question time. Do, 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 do. Okay. <laughs> question number one. Tell me about an experience that you've had in your life that shaped who you are today. Had lots of those, <laughs> but I would, well, honestly, I would have to say that the biggest one is when I dropped to my knees and I gave my life to God, uh, because that completely changed everything around and it opened up, it opened up my world in that I didn't feel like I needed to accomplish and do all these things. I, it was more seeing the value of being alive and understanding that 
you know, life is magical. You have to engage with it and, and like grow with it and develop who you are, which is more important than what you achieve, like becoming a good person, reaching your potential, living up to who you're meant to be. It's more important than, you know, making millions of dollars or whatever it might be, which that used to be my mindset. Now understand like who I am is what's of value. I love it. I love this conversation. Um, number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I, well, I step back into the vision that's, that's in my heart and that's in my soul. And, and that I just need to do the next thing. Like, it's not for me to make that entire huge vision happen, but what's the next thing that I can do? What's the smallest next thing that I can do that's going to have a, that's going to make a difference and have an impact. And let me just do that and forget about everything else that is stressing me. That's, you know, causing anxiety that's overwhelming me. Just what's that one next little important thing that I can do. That is really good. That's a really good tip. Um, I definitely need to uh, keep that in mind more often. Um, do you ever do those Enneagram tests, the personality tests? Uh, I haven't. So the last one I did was a disc task and I was like a double D. <laughs> it's just, it's all like the only language I know and value is outcomes is results. And I was like, well, that is true, but that, that, that's a problem. <laughs> so, and, I, and I have to say one of the best book that I'm currently listening to, I'm almost done. It's called the molecule of more. It's all about dopamine. And that's making me like understand myself on a whole other level. So I think understanding our, our, um, brain chemicals really help also understand why you value what you value, why you go after what you go after. And, you know, what does it mean in the grand scheme? And if you want to be different than what you are, what can you do to then generate the different chemicals um, that are going to help you? Uh, so like, for me, I am very dopamine driven, mm -hmm. which is all about future. And, you know, it's all about that division. And I don't have a lot of serotonin, which that's about relationship and connections. So I have to do things that can produce more serotonin if, you know, if I want put more uh, importance on value and relationships. Uh, so it's like having that understanding allows you to make decisions on okay for this i have to do this for that i have to do this i'm pretty sure that i am like the total opposite that i have just like way too much serotonin and not enough the balance the other way um that's really interesting um but the enneagram test there's nine different personality types in it and the book that i got about it has ways that you figure out which type you are so most people are dramatically one of these nine things. And some people are kind of mostly one with, you know, a little bit of another one. Um, but I am a seven, which is called the enthusiast. And 
that the main characteristic is that my my personality type will do anything to avoid pain, fear and loss. And that the way that I distract myself from terrible things that are happening is to start new projects and to continue to add a lot of things to my plate so that I'm always looking forward to the future and not dealing with whatever's happening right now. Um, but it's really an interesting way of looking at the world because it shows you how your personality type behaves if you're in a good place and you're taking care of yourself and you're healthy about it. And then as you are struggling more, it'll show you like these are type of behaviors that you would be likely to start doing if you were in a place that wasn't healthy for you. And so for my personality type, if I was really super stressed out about something um, that I would be prone to potentially sabotaging my life to get new experiences um, as opposed to like dealing with the reason that I'm trying to run away from whatever's happening um, and things like that. So it's, it was interesting to have that laid out in a scientific way so that you could start to kind of notice if you're starting to have a tendency toward making not so healthy decisions as opposed to like healthier ones. And it's been really helpful for me to kind of figure out how I best interact with other people and how other people interact with me too. Yeah. So I highly recommend everybody go get the, get the Enneagram book. Um, I think the book that I got, I got it on Amazon. Um, and it's called, I think it's like the wisdom of the Enneagram, I think is what it's called. I'll have to find the title and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely, I do want, so I, I think self-awareness is the foundation to everything. Um, and I, I, and I do courses on self-awareness and I do support like taking personality tests. I just want to caveat that there's a danger to it because your, your personality is not set in stone. So, you know, you can, you can change who you are. Like my personality is not what it was 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I have been a moving target, which is why I can ex coexist in different States at the same time because of how much like I've continued to grow and change who I am to where when a situation, first off, I'm very conscious when things happen of what I feel, what I think, and I can make in the moment decision of, okay, former me would think that, but I'm going this way. Like, so you can completely change all that. It takes a lot of work to do it. But if you don't like your behaviors, your personality traits, some of your character traits, by all means, you know, they're, they're not set in stone. Mm -hmm. I think that the, the Enneagram is kind of built on your experiences through your childhood and how that's really like, informs your animal brain, like your first instinct behavior personality type, I think is, is what it kind of looks. Yeah. So the, the Lisa, and I forget her last name, she has debunked the whole animal brain concept. <laughs> it's, it's very, you know, the self-help self-improvement industry. There's so much of like the, and I'm not saying the anagram is that I'm just like there, there's so much of like new research debunks old research, but the new research hasn't caught up. So then people still promote the old stuff, which is like outdated. So it's, it's incredible. I follow a lot of neuroscientists because they're doing all the latest research and they're observing the brain. Like they're truly digging into the, the you know, capacity, capability of the brain. And it's, it's fascinating the way that 
you see like, and because I have been on such a journey of constantly changing who I am, when they come out, I'm like, oh, I've known this because I've been like doing it. I should, I'm wearing the t-shirt, the guinea pig. Because <laughs> so, I spent my whole life being my own guinea pig of, well, I wonder if I can change this about myself. I wonder if this is possible and, and just doing it. And now the science is catching up and saying, yeah, we can do all these things. Yeah. I don't, I, I can't guarantee that there's anything in the Enneagram book that says anything about the animal brain, but I think it, um, when I read it, I took it to mean like, these are things, traits that you learned as a kid and that it's kind of your, your fallback is to behave that way. And that noticing, you know, that, that aspect of yourself is your typical kind of go-to if you're not intentional thinking about what especially if you're stressed yeah if you're stressed and under pressure you will default to a go-to and i you know of all the changes if you put enough stress and pressure or lack of sleep along with stress and pressure you're going to default to whatever version of the kid (laughs) that grew up that had whatever experience and yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely it's it's really interesting um And when I was reading through it, it even has information about here are, you know, if, if you are in a relationship with someone who's this other personality type, these are the ways that they respond best to criticism. And, you know, like there's certain, certain types that really need you to be super blunt about what you want them to do or, you know, changes you'd like them to make or whatever. And then there's other personality types that if you were to be really blunt with them, they're like, I can't hear any of that. And they just block it all out. So it's, it's interesting to kind of get an idea of, you know, like, for instance, for me, I need lots of like praise and compliments in my life. And or I don't function right. And I start to be like really kind of paranoid about what other people are thinking and, you know, without reinforcement of that. And I know that it's part of the way that I grew up as a kid. And, but my husband is totally different and he, it's doesn't come naturally to him to give anybody praise and he doesn't like it for himself. So he doesn't do it all the time or like ever, unless I'm specifically saying I need that. Cause I'm freaking out, you know? So, um, it's just interesting that I can like recognize now that because of his personality type, that doesn't occur to him because he doesn't want that. And so yeah, he doesn't put it out because, there because that's yeah. not how he would want to someone to treat him. To communicate but, with him and to do. Yeah. yeah I'm, so it kind of goes I'm, along I'm, with like your, your love languages, but it's more yeah. of your personality languages is the Enneagram. And it was, it was really interesting when I was reading through yeah. the book. It was, I'm, I'm on the end of your husband. It's one thing that I had to realize about myself and, and, and realize as a, as a leader that I might not need it, but others need it. So I need to do it to, in order to, for them to be more productive mm-hmm. and, you know, so now I do it more naturally, not because I need it, but because I know other people need it and when people do it to me it's like okay like i don't care can we just can we just get to whatever we're trying to 
to do whatever. And then, you know, and then if you have a team and you don't appreciate, so as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, if you, if you never celebrate the wins, then your team feels like they're never satisfying you. So you have to take the time, celebrate the wins because they're looking for that. Yeah. So, for sure. you know, yeah. So I, I think definitely if you're ever, if you're in a leadership position, like again, self-awareness is so key. If you're in a leadership position or any, you know, relationship, you, you have to know all these things about yourself and about other people and mm-hmm. figuring out, you know, who they are and how they best react. And, and so that you get, you know, hate to say it, but, you know, maximum productivity and um, they get maximum enjoyment out of what they do. Exactly. Oh, so deep. Okay. Before I forget, number three, tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it. Oh, it's been, it's been a lot of failures. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of failures and a lot of mistakes. So, well, and in self-awareness. So with, so I started a tech startup. It was called Why Go Solo. And this was in 1996. Um, and the, what it was designed to was to get people from offline to online interaction. So I put everything that I had into it. Now, looking back, when I say I put everything that I had into it, I didn't because I should have moved to Silicon Valley where people would have understood what I was doing because I was talking about social media. I was connected to Twitter, Facebook. This is when they were just babies. Like I had built something pretty amazing and I brought together an amazing team to do it. And my shortcomings was sales. So I was pitching investors and, you know, getting nowhere. And then I started pitching venues because I I was telling the venues like, hey, give me some free tickets. We'll promote the event through the process of people connecting together to go to your event. So when they posted a listing on Wild Solo, it would go to the Facebook feed. It would go to Twitter feed. Again, this is in 1996. and, you know, going to the, the venues and I didn't know, I didn't know how to sell. And I, w- I always said, well, I don't, you know, it doesn't come naturally to me. I don't know how to do it. And it hadn't clicked like, well, you can learn <laughs> how to do it. Like you can make, you know, push yourself to do it. And so when I reclaimed the title entrepreneur, I knew I was going into it with a massive shortcoming when it comes to sales and I started taking some courses and classes in order to, you know, improve my sales game. It's still not that great. It's, it's, I'm continuing to push myself to make it better. So sending five, six emails to people, I'm annoyed when people send me that many emails, like, and I try and always reply back and say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not interested. So I'm a decision maker. I'm I'm very quick to sell or you're never going to sell me. So again, look, we were talking about I'm a certain way. So I expect other people to be the same way, but sales doesn't work that way. There is a process that people over and over and over again have tested and it works. They can follow, which means you're constantly getting in touch with them and finding, you know, what, what they need, their pain point and all of that. And to me, it's like, how can you not know your pain point? Like, is what I have to offer? Yes or no, you're in or you're out. No. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm still, I'm still working on that, but that was a, that, that was a, I, I failed as an entrepreneur in the past because of that. And I don't want to fail again because of that. So I will do whatever it takes to, you know, get better at it until I can hire people to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that I don't remember the exact statistic, but it's something along the lines of like the average sale needs to have, I think it's like seven points yeah, of contact right. before yeah. people are even going to pay any attention to you at all. So then, like they, yeah. they don't respond to being sold to until they've been sold to like seven times. And if you think about that as, you know, someone is straight up asking you, do you want to buy this seven times? But it's not like that. It's more like, hey, yeah. you know that this is a thing. Yeah. And this is this and this has this benefits. And, yeah, yeah. So it's like these little, little touches as opposed to, uh, you know, outwardly shoving it down somebody's face. You're just like, it's, it's little introductions to whatever you're trying to sell them and yeah. how, how that thing could solve a problem for them as opposed to, you know, cause there's, a, there are a lot of people, especially creative entrepreneurs that have a really hard time feeling good ethically about selling things to other people. Um, and a lot of artists who discount their work because they don't want to profit off of something that they love and feel good about. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a big topic that I talk about on the show a lot. It's charging your worth and not, um, discounting your own work and your own labor, um, when you do something that you really love. And I think it's important to let people know that, like, if you really know how your product or your service is helping people to overcome something, to deal with a problem that they've had, to, you know, solve something that's been bothering them and things like that, um, or to make something easier for them or more special. And like thinking about what are you putting out there and how does it help the world? And instead of I'm putting this out there and I want you to pay me for it. And it's like, you're putting out a solution and people are, will pay you for, for the answers. And I, I think it, it helps a lot to kind of change your mindset about, quote yeah, unquote, selling, yeah. you know, it's like, what are you for providing? Me, you know, you're not, yeah, for me, for me, it's more like, I'm a, I'm a decision maker. I, I don't, you don't need to hit me seven times. Yes. Or, like, I know I need that. Or I don't like, I just need your pitch. What does it do? Does it solve? What problem does it solve? Do I have that problem right now? Yes. No, you know, decision mm-hmm. made. But people have very slow decision-making process. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, quite frankly, they lack self-awareness, so they don't know what they want. So they need to be convinced that they want that or that they need it. And I'm, I have a tough time with that because it's just not my personality. So, yeah, it's kind of like, okay, well... Uh, if you're, you need clients in order for your business to be successful. So you need to see them Mm -hmm. for, you know, where they're at and what they need. And accepting that is definitely like a, you know, it's it's a slow moving target. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I was even like, I'll just go to B2B because businesses, you know, they know what they need at the moment. And it's just as slow as a process when you go to B2B, then B2C. Um, so it, 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 it was my Achilles heels and it has been the source of many of my failures as an entrepreneur. And I'm, I'm not, not this time around. (laughs) I I love it. Okay. Number four, what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? 
It's a great question. I would say, I would say the fact that I'm a visionary. I would yesterday I watched an old movie. Do you remember the movie with Tom Cruise, Vanilla Sky? Mm-hmm. So he creates, he goes into a dream state, like the lucid dream, and it's all around a woman. Well, I'm not a relation, like that, that's never, I'm not a relationship person. It's not something that registered because I've always had this vision of like what I wanted to bring into the world. So so last night as the movie ended and I was like, oh, I know exactly what my lucid dream would be. <laughs> so... <laughs> I would, I would actually get to live in the vision and, you know, the, the world that that vision is aiming to, to create. So I think that's what keeps me going because if I don't do today what needs to be done, then that tomorrow can never come close to, you know, to what that vision is. And, um, you know, I have to say though, sometimes that's a great source of pain because it seems so far away and, you know, it drives me crazy that I am working hard and it's still so far away. So it can be a source of pain, but ultimately it is a source of what keeps me, keeps me going. Hashtag oof. Totally feeling that. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Feeling that that vision that's just like thinking about it and kind of living in that daydream, right? Of like how how it's going to be, but also like seeing as like as you get closer, like as big as it could be, it keeps getting bigger and further away too. Oh, my God. That makes me crazy. But I love it. I, I love like you know, as they say, manifest that shit. Like he put it out there. (laughs) I don't know. Some people don't under, don't, not that they don't understand, but they've never had that experience of dreaming about something happening and then it actually happening. But that type of stuff happens to me a lot in my life and like putting it out there and, and, you know, I do, I do vision boards. Usually my vision board always says that I want more time to do stuff. Um, cause you know, some people put like a fat house or a fat car, like mine never has that on it, but like the one that I'm looking at says, uh, uh, you care about beautiful balance. You want the best of both worlds uh, and you need love and sleep and feel more everyday joy. That's what it says all over it. <laughs> That's mine. Yeah. It's not complete yet, but. I know you can't see mine right now because they're they're up on the wall. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, it has. It has a bunch of first time in your experiences and the, the big conference I want to have. And um, yeah, <laughs> this is probably conceited, but there's a list of like some major CEO that have done like great things in the world. And I added my name because it said um, it has Scott Cook and then dot, dot, dot. And I put Anne Bernard because <laughs> I want to be part of that list so I hear that you know it's it's the the plan is there you know the path is there it's just uh but I sometimes my father used to tell us like I when I told my dad I wanted to be a marine he went to the store he's like oh someday General Bernard is gonna you know show up at the house in her helicopter and he would always paint like these huge like scenarios like you gave him one little thing and he painted something huge so he gifted us with the gift of imagination and a vision just a tremendous gift to have but like I said it can be painful because my reality has very rarely lived up to what I have envisioned and if someday they line up 
wow, it's just going to be. Just gonna oh, be I know. Happy. I know. Oh, my God. Like, I remember I, I wrote a book report about Oprah in fifth grade and just that I thought she was amazing and she'd had this amazing life and she had this talk show and she had all this influence and she'd built it all for herself and that she could have these great conversations with all these cool people and share it out in the world. And I was like, man, someday I'm like, me and Oprah, we're going to be homies. It's going to happen. She just doesn't know who I am. You know, like (laughs) I keep putting it out there. Um, but yeah, like ever since I became an entrepreneur and started like listening to different podcasts of uh, other entrepreneurs and and stories like that, I mean, like how I built this with Guy Raz, like that's my, I love listening to that show and hearing stories of these amazing entrepreneurs who had this crazy idea and people thought they were nuts and they just did it anyway. And then it blew up and became this huge thing. And I've always, ever since I first heard that show, it's like, I'm going to go on that show. Someday I'm going to be on that show. Like Guy Raz is going to interview me. I'll be like, you'll never believe where this product came from. You know, like that I have this great story of where it came from. And it's just so exciting. Yeah, I actually, so I, I, I love that. I actually posted uh, a thing on LinkedIn today. It's like a note to self, note to future self, because it, I think it's very important to remember, like you had the vision and what was, you know, what did you need to get to the next thing? And I'm doing, you know, the Maximize Your Life Summit series. And there's an interview series that's going along with that to highlight all the benefits the first time in your experiences. And I'm trying to get like, you know, the people whose books I'm reading, whose interviews I'm watching, who, you know, I know, know their stuff and I'm learning so much from. So I'm trying to book Stephen Kohler to come on to talk about, you know, the role of novelty in accessing flow and where he actually messaged me back on LinkedIn. And I was like, and uh, of course he's like you know he has a booking agency and their questions were you know how big who is your audience and how big is your audience and it's like why like when I'm in that situation when I'm in those shoes I'm gonna ask the question like what is your vision what is your mission like how can I, you know, how is me helping you, you know, going to be that next step for you? You Like I'm going to be looking for those who are in my shoes and can I be that big, that breakthrough interview, or can I bring that entrepreneur who, you know, is doing amazing things and they just need the audience Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, everybody who's made it, you know, who's on the cusp and they just need like, can I reach down and can I pull you up? Can I help you get your breakthrough? I'm like note to self in the future. <laughs> when you make it in, you remember this and you be that person. Because once you're well-known, once you're famous, you're well-known, everybody knows who you've done. You're reaching the masses. Mm-hmm. So can you like truly change an individual's lives, like multiple individuals' lives. Um, so I ended up messaging him back and kind of give him that pitch. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it works. You know, you got to put it out there. You, you totally have to put it out there. I, I mean, no. I had a weird experience like that over in the in the summer of 2020, um, or like right around. I actually was like right around this time, like end of, end of April maybe. Um, I there was this actor on Instagram who was doing these talk shows from their bed every day and they would go live on Instagram and then just invite random followers. This famous actor would just invite random people on their follower list to come be on this live show. And instead of the fan saying, Oh my God, look who I'm talking to this famous person. 
um, they would interview the follower about their life and what's their experience in the pandemic. And they would just have this person to person conversation. And, you know, they're sitting there in their bed, like in their underwear, just hanging out in their house, quarantined like everybody else's. And it was just such this beautiful experience to, as a total extrovert that I am, to have this outlet where I could go and go on Instagram and watch this show and get to meet all of these new interesting people and hear about their lives and and their struggles and, and just to learn about all these new people. And so the one day after watching the show, they were talking about how they wanted to have poets and musicians come on the show uh, and like kind of do their thing. And I was like, man, I totally want to do that. So uh, because I've been a poet my whole life and played music since I was in college. And I was like, yeah, I want to do this. So I had a dream one night that I was on the show and I knew like what poem that I was going to do and how it was all going to happen all happened like in the lucid dream type of thing. Um, like being the visionary. And then I woke up that day and I went and I got ready and I went down into my office because my office is downstairs in my house and I turned on their show and started watching it. And as soon as you turn on an Instagram live video, you can request to be in it. So I hit the button to request to be in it. And like two minutes into the show, they were like, okay, let's pick somebody to come on. And they're like, all of a sudden my screen starts doing like connecting, connecting. I'm like, no way. Like, <laughs> I'm about to be on the show. Um, and so I, I ended up getting interviewed on the show and it was so much fun and got to connect with them. And then I ended up sending them a thank you care package of stuff from my business, like handmade things that I had made for them. Um, afterwards because I had already connected with them through the show and I just sent them a message and I was like, Hey, like, can I make you some special stuff? Um, you don't have to post about it, but if you want to, I'll take it. You know, if you want a little care package, where can I send it? And they actually sent me their home address. It was wow. so cool. So I mean, it with? you put it out there and, uh, and people love it. You know, who, who was it with Nico Tortorella? So awesome. You ever watch that show younger? Mm-mm. Oh, you got to watch it. It's so good. It so good. The final so season. Awesome. Um, it's just like a, that show is it, it pushes a lot of social boundaries, but in kind of subtle ways, like instead of being really overtly inclusive, it just is inclusive. And, you know, they're not like, oh, there's a token lesbian character on the show. It was like, oh, there's this character. This character happens to be a lesbian. This is her girlfriend. And all of that is totally normal. And it's not like a thing. Um, And and they kind of address all like these kind of big issues, but in small ways of just normalizing people being non-binary or having different pronouns and just like, it just is what it is in the culture of the show. Um, And it, and it's also a great like brain vacation where you can just go and like live in somebody else's drama and somebody else's comedy and somebody else's life and, and just get lost in, in the fun of the story. And those, the people that are on it, the characters and their relationships and stuff like that. Oh, oh I think I've watched all, all six seasons that are out already probably three times since everything shut down last year, because I was like, what can I do that? It's going to take me somewhere else. I'm going to watch this show. Um, and some, that's like my self-care. <laughs> it's like, that's my that's guilty great. pleasure. It's like watching as my husband would call it schlocky TV. Um, younger is like my favorite, my favorite schlocky TV. And Nico, that's awesome. That you got to be interviewed. Ah, that's so cool. It was really cool. And I sent them a bunch of cool stuff and um, some paper flowers, which they then 
repurposed and decorated their Christmas tree with. And I was like, did you put my flowers in your tree? That's so cool. And like, we did. We did. We love it. We want all paper flowers for next year. So um, it's just been really cool. I mean, you put it out there and you say, this is somebody who, you know, like people are putting, put it out there as like, oh, I get to connect with so-and-so this famous person. But I think a lot of connecting to people kind of envisioning that connection happening in your life is part of it that is most important, I think, is remembering that that person is still just a person. Yeah. They probably also have this grandiose list of people that they thought were really cool that they want to meet someday. And um, that, yes, they're famous now, but it's, you know, a lot of times decades of struggle and failure and hard work and, and, risk and branching out there and exposure of their own lives that got them where they are in the first place. So I think just kind of, you can reach out to people as people instead of famous people. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So the last question before I get totally distracted and talk to you all day, I have to go pick something up. So I can't talk to you all day. Um, number five, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and what advice would you give other people? Wow. I'm going to suck at this one. Best piece of advice I've ever gotten. I hate to say it, but people haven't given me a lot of advice. It's it's actually, it's actually, that used to be a huge pain point for me. So I would say, I would definitely say finding a mentor, like a proper good mentor who, you know, has walked the path and has figured it out is, is key. And I have spent decades looking for a mentor, finding that person. And I, I, and I have reached out to some who never replied back. I've reached out to some who I realize weren't mentor. quality um and and it's it's that's always that's that's I'm still looking for that so I would definitely say find that (laughs) and I you know and I I'm the type of person again because I know the pain of being there and someone comes to me and says hey can you mentor me be like absolutely like I will you know everything the mistakes that I've made the lessons I've learned I will pass those on in a way that helps you achieve what you want to achieve. I had one person who wanted to mentor me at one time, but he wanted me to like live the life he didn't get to live. And it's like, that's not how you mentor, dude. <laughs> like, I'm not here to, to do what you ne- never got to do. Like, here's what I want to do. You know, I want to make sure that I don't make mistakes in the process. Like, and, you know, getting the proper introduction and connections. I mean, there are things that can truly expedite your success or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, tapping into those resources is, is definitely key. Um, So it has been a huge pain point. And there's a lot of times where, you know, I've prayed on it and I've cried and I've had tantrum about it and have pity parties about it. And I've always turned to God and I'm like, I I don't, all right. I guess it's just you and me. Like, okay. I, I rather not keep learning everything the hard way. I would like to do it faster and better. Mm -hmm. Um, But sure. But it is also great now that there are so many podcasts, there are so many YouTube videos are so, there's so much out there where, you know, you can get kind of a digital mentor, but if you can find a, a real person who, you know, has walked the path that you've walked and they can again 
pull you up and get you there more, much faster. It's theme for me, like raising your potential. Like we should be lifting, pulling each other up so that we can achieve so much more. Humanity has not progressed very much in the last hundred plus year technology has the things that we've made have, but human beings, you know, really haven't. And so, you know, solving the problems for the next generation require us to get way past, you know, our petty problems mm -hmm. and elevate the way that we think that we see the world and we interact with each other instead of going backwards. So that's a, that's a, that's a theme in my life. So if you, you know, if you can pull somebody up, pull them up. And if you need to be pulled up, like find the person or reach out to them that can, you know, get you to that next level. I wholeheartedly agree. I have some resources that I want to share out to our, our podcast listeners. Um, the three organizations that have hands down been influential for me in my professional development and growing my company um, and just increasing my capacity to reach more people in the world. Um, first would be NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners. Um, there are chapters all over the United States and I believe some international chapters as well. Um, the connections that I've made through NABO are just, have been instrumental in changing the face of my business. Um, and it's not the type of organization where you're gonna go and trade a whole bunch of business cards and say, how many leads did I get? Uh, because it's not that type of networking. It is true um, like network building and resource sharing. And there are so many amazing boss as type A women who are members of that organization who have run their businesses for decades and just have so much knowledge to share and are, are willing to connect you with their network and they, and build those relationships with people that they know. And they call it like the Nabo sisterhood. And it totally is. It totally is. I mean, if you can put it out there and say, I'm looking for help with this and there's just people just convene to bring you solutions to those. And it's really awesome. Um, not to mention there's like financial perks at different affiliate businesses and whatnot. So I would definitely go check out Nabo. They're currently doing a membership drive until the end of April where you can save 45 bucks um, if you want to join. So I would check that out, nabo.org. Um, the next organization is called Eureka, U-R-E-E-K-A dot biz, B-I-Z. And they are, it's kind of like Facebook for entrepreneurs. And it's a whole online platform, online community with, that was founded by people who wanted to be able to make access to financial resources, capital, coaching, training, mentorship. They wanted to make sure that that was accessible to all entrepreneurs and not just rich white guys. And it's so cool the way that they, they have put together all these amazing trainings and coaching programs that you can do. They have lists of grants that are specific for women and people of color. And it's, they're amazing. They are amazing. So go and check out Eureka.biz. Um, the people who founded it uh, were all very successful entrepreneurs in their own right for a long time. And they said, we don't want to start a company where you couldn't just come and talk to me. So you can join the platform and literally 
book a meeting with any of the people who founded this company and have a meeting and talk to them about anything that you want. It's wow. so cool. It is so cool. And has just been a same deal. It's been really instrumental in the helping me figure out the real nitty gritty things about running a business, making sure that my website is optimized and that I have the proper content on each page and figuring out my marketing strategy and really like step-by-step going through all those things that they tell you you're supposed to do as an entrepreneur. But if no one is actually showing you how to do that, it seems it can be really daunting to figure out all those little nitty gritty steps. So that's my second thing. And the third thing is if you have a conscious company, a company where you purposefully put people over profits and that you have a mission and a vision for change in the world, then you should check out this organization. It's called ShiftCo. Their, uh, their website is shiftco.org. And it is this international organization for conscious companies. And it involves progressive coaching and mentorship that changes with you as your business progresses and grows. And so every three months you go through a different aspect of this coaching program that they have and reevaluate your business to figure out what one thing you really need to focus on for those three months. And you focus really intensely on fixing that and building that up and getting that really strong. And then you reevaluate and then you move to the next phase and you move to the next phase. And as you come in kind of like, you know, at the bottom of like starting a new business, Um, as you move on up and your business grows, then you become the mentor for the new people who are coming in. And they also have a platform that works kind of similar to, to kind of like Facebook and LinkedIn. It's got a news feed in it and you can connect with all the members across the world and they have kind of virtual hub meetings. So you can get together and actually get to know the people. Um, but then they also have like the coaching and training, um, aspects of it built in. It's really super cool. It's really cool. Yeah. So check those can all I, out. Nabo, Eureka, Shifko. Sorry, can I can I can I add a fourth one? Although sure. it's it's um so this is for um veterans and uh, uh military spouses and it's called Bunker Labs and um their cohort. Uh, they're actually you can apply right now for the upcoming cohort and you it includes six months of like free workspace with we work and same thing mentoring and assistance and and all of that so um i've been a city leader it's an ambassador for them but again <laughs> all so my cool. plans for 2020 went to went to crap but yeah. <laughs> uh, i have applied now. so uh yeah so that's another uh you know it's a veteran community a military community to tap into that want to help veteran become entrepreneurs and make that transition and and provide the resources to do that but i'm totally going to check out those other other um organization that that you mentioned they're really cool. Um, what was the org? Can you spell out the organization? So we make bunker sure. Labs. So bunker, bunker, lab. like a bunker and then labs. So yeah, a .org. Yeah, dot yeah. .org. Okay. So we'll make yeah. sure we have that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Anne, for being here today. This, what a wonderful conversation. Thanks I'm so much for having me. To, do, to, to, yeah. to document my first time stories um, and to work with you more in the future. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs? Uh, yes. So you can find me YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, if, uh, and Bernard. So Instagram and underscore Bernard and most of everything else is, is, is Anne Bernard. I was early enough. I was on early enough <laughs> to get my name. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. And yeah, and uh, I can't wait to have you on the first time storytelling broadcast. So definitely gonna do a lot more together. So feel like I found a sister. <laughs> oh, see, you know, things that would never have probably would never have happened had it not been for 2020. It was like connecting with so many amazing people who live far away from me, who I've never actually met in real life. So uh, I hope everyone listening to the show has learned something new today and has been inspired to go uh, have a new experience, a new first time of doing something. And I hope that you will check out Anne's hashtag. Um, and once the app is back up and running in, in better order, we will make sure to have good links for where to do that, but you should go try it and see if it works. And, um, thank you so much for listening and watching on the reach the stars podcast. And we challenge you to go do something cool and then tell us about it. <laughs> Bye everybody. We'll see you next week. A single interaction has the power to change your life forever. This is a place for the stories of those moments, stories of pursuing dreams overcoming tragedy and failure, of coming back to life after so much of what feels like dying, of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. Thank you for being with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. Our theme music is generously provided by Byrocratic. You can find him on Bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our current patrons, guests, and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality. We are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you. If you love this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes, and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it.